We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. On the WadeFord.com hotline, welcome in our buddy Joe Patrick, our Falcons reporter here for 92.9 The Game. Joe, how are you? Chris, I'm good, man. I'm good. It's been, you know, I'm just waiting for tomorrow. Yeah, I, I don't blame you, man. So am I. This is a huge one. Before we dive into the Falcons, where were you when you saw the news? You covered baseball for a long time. Ten mm. years. $700 million for Shohei Otani. What was your reaction? Man, I, my reaction was, I, honestly, I wasn't that surprised that he got, I mean, obviously everyone was expecting a massive deal. And for me, it's not like... It, it, Five hundred million uh, contract for five hundred million is about the same to me in terms of the shock value as as seven hundred million is. But I just you know the more I looked at it, it's just that's going to be. I mean, obviously it's big news for the Dodgers, and you know the money is going to work itself out, I guess, in terms of um, you know them bringing in revenue for from his international status and global uh, you know appeal and brand and all that stuff. But still, as far as, you know, it goes with the, the league and having, you know, passing like the, the, the luxury taxes and things like that, that is going to be one heck of a contract to deal with, especially at the end of it, especially if he's deferring, you know, an undisclosed amount of money. But it sounds like a lot of that's getting deferred onto that second half. It's not like he's a spring change. He's 29 years old. He's going to be he signed to his year 39 season. And, you know, we hear it all the time that, you know, you basically there's no baseball player in history who hasn't had their bat speed start to decrease, you know, in their mid thirties and, you know, all that stuff. Will he be pitching for them? Will his speed be as much of a factor at that point? So man, it's going to be hefty, but you know, and the other thing is Chris, you know, the Dodgers had a superstar team when the Braves beat them, when the Braves kind of snuck in uh, with 88 wins to win the NL East and then went on to win the world series. So I'm just look very much looking forward to, some guys, some some bullpen arms that we don't even know the names of at this point in time are, you know, striking out Dodgers in late October to beat them in an NLCS. Yeah, Double A got Aaron Bummer for a reason. Uh, that's, that's, that's right. That's for sure, Joe. All right, let's move on to the Falcons here. Some good news today. It looks like uh, we'll get AJ back, huh? We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one. They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yeah, I mean, the Falcons needed some good news on the injury front, and I, I guess they got it. That's going to help, obviously, especially when you're going up against a guy like Mike Evans, who, you know, is quietly just having himself like a no-doubt, like first ballot Hall of Fame career. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I still am a little bit worried for this team considering the injury situation, but obviously having A.J. come back uh, in the concussion protocol. And, listen, like, yeah, while he was in the in the protocol, he seemed to be moving fine and looking fine, to me when I watched him at practice and he's basically since that concussion happened 
at the very beginning of the game, he basically has, you know, a game's, you know, one game's less worth of wear and tear on his body after last week, although obviously he had this concussion he was dealing with, which is no, you know, nothing to snirk at. But, um, you know, it's good for the Falcons. They'll, they'll certainly need him, and I imagine that with the lack of pass rush, they'll probably be getting because of their issues on the defensive line. Uh, A.J. Terrell's services will very much be uh, of need come tomorrow. How, if at all, does McGarry being out, Dalman being not 100% affect their offensive game plan, or does it? You know, I, I think that with, with Dalman, it will be interesting to see if Vita Vea goes because, you know, Vita Vea is questionable going into tomorrow's game, and he's obviously massive to what Tampa Bay wants to do on their own defensive line and with how they go about stopping the run. I mean, he's kind of that guy. He's, I don't know how heavy he is off the top of my head, but he looks like he's about 350 pounds, just leans on you, you know, and makes the game hard. And if you don't have a good base under you, like Drew Dalman, dealing with an ankle injury, then I imagine that, that that's going to be tough for him. Uh, but we'll see how that goes. Vita Bay has not practiced this week at all. So I think that that questionable status is, is truly questionable. We do not know if he will play. And it will certainly be great news for the Falcons if, if he will be out. But this is a huge game for the Buccaneers. Like, you remember a couple of weeks ago when the Falcons were playing the Saints coming off that bye week, we were talking about how it really was a make-or-break game for the Falcons, you know, with their season on the line going into that game. That's what this game is for the Bucks. If the Bucks win this game, they're obviously right in it. They're actually going to take the division lead uh, because of, like, the third or fourth tiebreaker um, for the time being. But if they lose it, they're basically out <laughs> because then the Falcons will own all the tiebreakers um, and have these, this massive game lead on them with min- minimal games left. So, you know, I think that they're going to try to get Vea out there if at all possible. And on the right, on that right tackle spot with Storm Norton, I got to be honest with you, Chris, like when Storm Norton has come into games this year, I haven't really noticed, honestly. And that's not just because they both are, <laughs> he and Caleb McGarry are both like super tall, like long blonde haired kind of guys. Like it's just, you know, it's not been a great year for Caleb McGarry so far. And Storm Norton has seem to put in, you know, some, some decent performances when he's been called upon. So I'm not as concerned, uh, but you never know. You never know when, you know, especially when you're playing on the edge of an offensive line, whether, you, you know, you just – the guy, a guy of opposite you can get the best of you one day, and that can cause major problems for the team. But I'm more kind of – not concerned. I do think Dolman's going to play, but I'm just concerned, interested to see how he's able to perform with that, with that ankle he's been dealing with. Talking all things Falcons, Bucks with our buddy Joe Patrick here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Chris Thomas hanging out with you until 9 o'clock. Our good buddy Caleb Johnson jumps on with you then. All right, you mentioned the defensive line issues. Obviously, no Grady, no David Onyemata. How do you make up for that? Do you think they're going to send more guys, maybe a couple more house blitzes? What do you think the strategy is there to sort of evade them just running down your throat? Yeah, maybe, but I think, Chris, the other thing, the other guy who's not going to be playing this week, and when it comes to stopping the run, he's maybe most important of all, is Nate Lamon, the guy who came in for Troy Anderson, and basically as soon as he kind of came on the scene, yes, he doesn't have, have some limitations as, as far as pass coverage goes, but as far as stopping the run, it's turned the Falcons into one of the best run defenses in all of the NFL. In fact, at least as of a week or two ago, PFF had the Falcons as the number one graded uh, team in the NFL at stopping the run. And obviously, Nate Lamon plays a huge part of that, and he's going to be out too. So they're certainly going to have their issues. I guess the good news for the Falcons is that this Tampa Bay team has not been very good at running the ball. I would say that they actually got things going on the ground a little bit against the Falcons in week seven 
where prior to that, they'd really been pure, like super anemic uh, trying to run the ball. And honestly, when you look at their skill, like with, with their playmakers, who they have, they want to put the ball in the air with the guys like Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, who we already mentioned. But you do have to obviously stop the run. It's going to be tough. You're going to be relying on guys like, um, you know, Timmy Horn, Taquan Graham. You're basically looking at like the interior of the defensive line that you had last season without Grady Jarrett, who was the, the, the best one, obviously, on that offensive line. So it's going to be tough. You're going to need some guys who are able to step in. Andre Smith Jr., uh, also a linebacker, who's probably going to be stepping in for Nate Flamin a lot. I would watch out, though, for this team to play a lot of their nickel looks and maybe even their dime looks with a lot of defensive backs. Play Richie Grant. They've been This team has been using a lot of three safety looks, and Richie Grant's a more bigger physical body you can kind of put in the box that could help. Uh, against the run. And then the thing that I'm wondering about with this defensive line, if we're talking about the nickel looks, is do they use Calais Campbell more inside? That's obviously something he did a lot earlier in his career. One of the kind of, you know, conversations they had about him coming to Atlanta was he was going to be used on the edge, and they certainly believe that he is kind of an edge player in Ryan Nielsen's system. But you do wonder if maybe for this one game they ask him, hey, can you slide inside a little bit more? Because he is such a great talent at, at stopping the run. And let's be clear, his body, like he, he's kind of, you know, developed his body going into this year as an edge player to be a little bit leaner as a guy that, that is going to be, you know, accustomed to be playing out there as opposed to earlier in his career when he's maybe a little bit, you know, stockier and bulked up a little bit to play on the inside. But I still think he could do a job there. And I think that we will probably see him take more snaps on the interior of the defensive line than we have seen him so far this season. On the offensive side, Joe, we know that, a lot was made over the past couple of weeks of Arthur Smith alluding in some comments, not saying definitively, but sort of all of us reading in between the lines that Kyle Pitts still may not be 100%. What did you see from him this week in practice, and where do you think he's at right now in terms of regaining that form of being a focal point of the offense? Honestly, Chris, I wish I had better news for people. Like, I wish I had – I could say, like, yeah, this is going to be the week where – he breaks out and is like, you know, not just running past players. I th- actually don't think that that's as much of the issue for him right now with the knee. It seems to me it's more of the, the uh, short distance cutting ability. That's the kind of thing that we saw him doing a lot in his rookie year, like, you know, little whip routes or getting the ball out into the flat real quick where he can get it and turn, get up the field and go. And we're just not kind of seeing that same burst out of him in some of those situations. And so I don't think that that's necessarily coming back this season. Like we haven't seen it so far um, and we're probably not going to. Now, if you want to look at a a reference point to, so, you know, you can step away from the cliff a little bit, you know, he obviously was dealing with these issues uh, against the Texans in week five and the Falcons used him in a lot of like sail routes where he's kind of going out towards the sideline and not having it kind of doing more rounded off routes where he's not, having to make these quick cuts and they were able to find him a lot. So I'm not saying that he's like necessarily going to have a bad game or anything. I just wouldn't expect to see a player that's drastically different than what frankly we've seen basically this entire season. And, you know, it's tough as a tight end. You're, you're, you're asked to do a lot. You're at the physical position. You're getting beat up. And I'm sure that there's been some games where he's felt a little bit better and some games where he's felt a little bit worse, especially like last week when you're out in the rain and the cold up there in the Meadowlands. But um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't consider I, – I, honestly, for me, Chris, this feels like more of a Drake-London game for me. Like, like this feels like a game where Ritter's got to connect with London. He has been his number one target kind of consistently uh, since Ritter has come into the fold as a team starting quarterback. And you've got to hope that that tandem can then maybe propel uh, Kyle Pitts to get some, some easier looks 
uh, where he can get the ball, him, uh, Ritter can get him the ball in space. Okay, here's my concern though with Drake London. He has two touchdowns on the season, and in yeah. his last one, two, three, four, five games, he's had over 60 yards receiving once. So what's going yeah. on there? Well, a few of those games were with Terrell Heineke <laughs> at quarterback. That's uh, true. Since Desmond Ritter has been the starting quarterback, they've had a pretty good connection. Now, now the touchdown passes thing is is real, and uh, I, but I think that that's kind of a, an issue, just generally speaking, with this offense. Like we're not seeing a lot of touchdown passes in general. <laughs> like I think that was, Arthur Smith is kind of joked like Scotty Miller is uh, one of his like red zone, uh, usually you know red zone weapons. He's been catching like I think twenty five percent of his catches so far this year uh, are touchdowns. But it's just I, and I don't know if that's uh, purely by circumstance, if that is a flaw with Ritter or with the receivers or with the passing game um, or what the deal is, or, or if they're maybe just you know, more effective in you know, running the ball when they get down to that area. We've seen them be pretty effective with some of the zone read stuff they do as long as they're able to hold on to the ball. Um, <clears throat> talking about Desmond Ritter there. Uh, and with Dijon, obviously, in the passing game, he's caught a few, a few touchdowns so far this year. So they have weapons they can't go to, but you're right. Like Pitts, Ritter, or uh, 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 Drake London, you would think that these would be your like primary kind of red zone targets, weapon type guys, but we just have not seen that be the case really these last couple of years. All right, before I let you go, a couple of news and notes on the Atlanta United front. Looks like there was a big transaction that went down this week. And then give me sort of your overall thoughts on where this team is headed next season because it seems like they started to gain some momentum towards the end of the year, but between the international breaks and sort of getting trounced in the playoffs, some of that air was let out of the balloon a little bit. Yeah, they did. I mean, they made progress in the second half of the year, and I think that that's credit to Garth Lagerway and some of the transactions, the, the, the signings that they made. Uh, in the in the secondary transfer window in the middle of the season, basically kind of like the transfer deadline. Basically, the way it works in soccer is for a, it opens up for a month where you're basically able to sign players, and they signed some really good players that help them, uh, and one of them will be coming back permanently. He was initially signed on loan, John De Silva, uh, on the left wing. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, he's the one who he put on a Spider-Man mask after he scored a goal in the playoffs. Uh, that was kind of fun, but I mean, he's been an effective winger, which this team has desperately needed. Um, they've really, you know, they, they've not uh, been, it's not been for lack of trying or spending on the team's part, but they haven't been able to find the players to have been effective. But John De Silva is one of those guys. And he was one of those guys who was brought in uh, halfway through last year that helped that propel them to some success in the back half. So I think that they are on the right trajectory Listen, last season was the season of eating the crap sandwich from the the budget, the way that things had kind of stacked up, very much like the Falcons had to do last year where they just had to take a year where you just eat a bunch of cap, basically. And now LA United is finally at the point where they can continue to build. And they have pieces on on, on which to build upon. So it's not like they got to build an entire team. Um, Obviously, there's going to be some things that happen with Thiago Amada. I would be surprised if he's on this team to start next season, to be perfectly honest. Uh, and that will be a key guy to replace. But I think that this team, with Garth Lagerway at the helm, he's got Carlos Bocanegra working a lot more efficiently. They've really bulked up the kind of scouting department, the data analytics in the front office, and that, I think, is going to set the team on a really solid, uh, you know, solid ground for the years to come. 
All right, Joe. Appreciate you, man. As always, a little later than usual, but hey, yeah, that's all right. Our Army Navy was a good game, and we got to experience well, it all of it, all of it, right here right. on Sports <laughs> Radio ninety two well, nine. I'll game. be on with Caleb. I'll be on with Caleb later too, hey, so people can get some more of it. How we, about that? There we go. So you, so you, it won't be beer o'clock for you until like ten p.m. <laughs> And then you got a couple yeah, of games. It might be. It, 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 might, it might be, but just don't tell anyone. All right. Well, it's, it's only me, you, and the listening <laughs> audience. Who cares? All right, Joe. Appreciate you, man. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.